0: This is the end game. It's Wednesday, March 16th, 2022, the 420th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. So last week, the comedic actor began his world tour of Zoom conferences. He talked to the British Parliament and he made himself the modern-day Winston Churchill, and he got article after article written about how he is just like Churchill. And I was left thinking, well, if that's true, what are we missing about how bad Winston Churchill was? And then yesterday, he moved his Zoom conference to the Canadian Parliament where he talked to his boy, Justin. He literally addressed the prime minister of Canada as Justin. They're just chums and pals. You know, he's just asking a favor, one globalist puppet to another. Yes, he was a comedic actor, and he's talking to the bastard son of communist dictator Fidel Castro. Totally normal world politics. And before I get to his speech in front of our Congress today, I want to read a little bit of this Canadian speech, just so you can see that he is essentially giving the exact same speech to every country's parliament or Congress, and just switching the names. The emotional content and the structure is the same, and you'll get why I'm mentioning this all, because he went way over the top today. But this is the beginning of his speech yesterday to the Canadian parliament. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Speaker, Prime Minister, dear Justin, members of the government, members of the parliament, all distinguished guests, friends. Before I begin, I would like you to understand my feelings and the feelings of all Ukrainians as far as it is possible. Our feelings over the last 20 days, 20 days of a full scale aggression of the Russian Federation, after eight years of fighting in the Donbass region. Can you only imagine? And that's a great question. Can you only imagine what it would be like if after eight years of the neo-Nazis inside my regime, waging a civil war on ethnic Russians near the Russian border? Can you only imagine what it would be like if someone decided to actually stand up against that atrocity? Well, I'm imagining it, comedic actor. You have now made me imagine it. Congratulations, you win this round. Imagine that at 4 a.m., each of you start hearing bomb explosions, severe explosions. Justin, can you imagine hearing it? You, your children, hear all these severe explosions? Bombing of an airport, bombing of Ottawa Airport, tens of other cities of your wonderful country. Can you imagine that? Cruise missiles falling down and your children asking you what happened and you're receiving the first news which infrastructure objects have been bombed and destroyed by Russian Federation. And you know how many people already died. Can you only imagine what words? How can you explain to your children full scale aggression just happened in your country? You know that this is war to annihilate your state, your country you know that this is the war to subjugate your people, (laughs) no matter how many times the other side says that's absolutely not what they want and propose totally reasonable terms of negotiation and peace. No matter how many times that is reiterated in public and in the negotiation setting, it still is not true. Vladimir Putin wants to annihilate Ukraine and subjugate the Ukrainian people. That is what the comedic actor is telling Canada. And on the second day, you receive notifications that huge columns of military equipment are entering your country, crossing the border. They're entering small cities. They are giving siege, encircling cities, and they start to shell civil neighborhoods. They bomb school buildings. That was the Nazis. They destroy kindergartens. Also the Nazis, like in our city, city of Sumi, like in the city of Oktirka. Imagine that someone is laying siege to Vancouver. Can you just imagine for a second? And all these people who are left in such cities, this is exactly the situation that the city of Mariupol is suffering right now. And they're left without heat or hydro, without means of communicating, almost without food, without water, seeking shelter in bomb shelters. Dear Justin, Dear guests, can you imagine that every day you see memorandums about the number of casualties, including among women and children? You heard about the bombings. Currently, we have 97 children that died during this war. Can you imagine the famous CN Tower in Toronto if it was hit by Russian bombs? Of course, I don't wish this on anyone, but this is our reality in which we live. We have to contemplate. We have to see where the next bombing will take place. We have a freedom square in the city of Kharkiv, the place where victims of the Holocaust have been buried. And today it was bombed by Russians. Well, that's an interesting reference since your army is filled with Nazis. Imagine that Canadian facilities have been bombed similarly as our buildings and our memorial places are being bombed. A number of families have died. Every night is a horrible night. Russians are shelling from all kinds of artillery, from tanks. They're hitting civilian infrastructure. They're hitting big buildings. Can you imagine there is a fire starting at a nuclear power plant? That's exactly what happened in our country. And once again, the Ukrainians set that fire in the training center at the nuclear facility. That's not what the media said. And that's not what the television viewers from home will remember. But that is true. And don't forget, news stations in America, like CNN, broadcast this speech on their airwaves yesterday. Their audience believes that Russia started the fire at the nuclear power plant. Each city that they're marching through, they're taking down Ukrainian flags. Can you imagine someone taking down your Canadian flags in Montreal and other Canadian cities? And I would actually bet that they can. In fact, it is the communist government of Canada itself responsible for that. And we do the same things here. We take flags down off our embassies around the world and replace them with gay pride flags and Black Lives Matter flags. There is a... an American flag that was replaced this weekend in Chicago with the Ukrainian flag. And we're not even technically at war. We don't need anyone bombing us to replace our flags. We don't even need someone else to do it. We'll just replace our flag when the television upsets us enough. If the television wages an emotional psychological operation on the country and it's successful enough, we will take our flags down and replace them with Ukrainian flags. I'm surprised he didn't ask for a deal where every time a Russian takes down a Ukrainian flag, someone in the West must put the Ukrainian flag up in their country. This will go on for some extended period of time. Russia will take away all the Ukrainian flags and then the rest of the world will just be Ukraine. I probably read four or five minutes of that speech. The entire thing was asking the members of the Canadian parliament to imagine themselves being bombed. Now, the comedic actor seems to be an adult and the members of the Canadian parliament are surely adults. Why don't they talk and think like adults? Zelensky certainly knows that he's lying. Zelensky has been lying for the entire time. It's completely obvious. He is literally mentioning false flags as part of his argument. He knows those events didn't happen. He knows that his neo-Nazi battalions are actually attacking civilians and were the ones shelling the kindergarten for instance, and you would have to think that at least some of the people in the Canadian parliament know that. I mean, of course, they're going to stand and clap along with him anyway, because they all benefit from maintaining the global communist order. It's not surprising to see politicians lie, but it's worth noting that they're all lying together about the same things that we know are lies and that much of the public understands at this point. Are lies. He's basically just stringing a whole slew of emotional thoughts together so that the cable news, the state media in Canada and around the world can clip up their little sound bites and show them to their audience and regale the comedic actor for his impassioned and emotional plea for help from the world. He's just trying to protect. Our democracy. But enough about the fascist government of Canada that just recently used state violence against peaceful protesters in its country who were begging for their rights to be upheld. And of course, it's not worth going into how Canadians' bank accounts are being frozen by that fascist regime run by. Fidel Castro's bastard son, whose deputy prime minister is the granddaughter of an actual Nazi. Enough about Canada. Vladimir Putin just made it hard for certain corrupt American politicians to be able to access their money laundering channels. He sort of froze their bank accounts somewhere. And that, that is an act of war. But let's hear a Warm welcome from Nancy Pelosi.
1: Mr. President, it is my honor to present to you the Congress of the United States, which has great respect and admiration and appreciation for your courageous leadership. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the President of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky. Slava Ukraina! Slava Ukraina! (laughs) <laughs> to hear My colleagues, Slava Ukraina. Slava
0: Ukraina. Why is the Speaker of the House of Representatives of the United States trying to get all of our representatives to join her in chanting? Glory to Ukraine. Now, I'm sure that the country of Ukraine, despite the corrupt Nazi regime that currently runs it, is quite a lovely place with a very rich history. Part of it being Nazism, but that, you know, that's not the only thing there. We can't judge all of Ukraine based on the fact that global communists are supporting Ukrainian Nazis with the help of Hollywood actors and influencers. There are certainly wonderful people there, and they have wonderful architecture and land and history. And I hope Ukrainian people are very proud of that. But I don't hope that our representatives in Congress start chanting glory to Ukraine in an official setting while slobbering all over a comedic actor who was placed in the office of president of the most corrupt nation on earth, which also just so happens to have Nazis. And of course, all of that is for the television so that people with child-sized brains We'll watch it and be like, yes, the whole nation is united, Democrats and Republicans working together, chanting glory to Ukraine. Ukraine is taking on almost this Jerusalem like feel, right? Like this is some sort of important religious site for the global communist order. Like it was the base of the Kazarian mafia or something. And I'm sure it wasn't. That's probably got nothing to do with this. But just another word about Ukraine, by the way, it's well worth your time to watch the Oliver Stone documentaries on Ukraine. One of them, I believe, is called Ukraine on Fire and the other is Revealing Ukraine. And I'm not joking when I say Ukraine is a really, really beautiful country. I know we don't get to see much of that in the news reporting. And, of course, obviously, there are wonderful people everywhere of all types and varieties around the world. So let's hear from the comedic actor.
1: One the same for our people. All that is normal part of your own life. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Americans, In your great history, you have pages that would allow you to understand, Ukrainians, understand us now, when you need it right now, when we need you right now. Remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you just remember it remember september the 11th a terrible day in 20 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities independent territories in battlefields when innocent people were attacked attacked from air yes just like nobody Else expected it. You could not stop it. Our country experiences the same every day. Right now, at this moment, every night, for three weeks now, various Ukrainian cities Odessa and Kharkiv, Chernihiv, and Sumer, and Lviv, Mariupol, and Dnipro Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands of people. Russian troops have already fired nearly 1,000 missiles at Ukraine. Countless bombs. They use drones to kill us with precision. This is a terror that Europe has not seen, has not seen for 80 years, and we are asking for a reply, for an answer uh, to this uh, terror from the whole world. Is this a lot to ask for? To create a no-fly zone over Ukraine to save people? Is this too much to ask, humanitarian, no-fly zone, something that Ukraine, uh, that Russia would not be able to terrorize our free cities. If this is too much to ask, we offer an alternative. You know what kind of defense systems we need, S-300 and other similar systems. You know how much depends on the battlefield, on the ability to use aircraft powerful strong air uh, aviation to protect our people our freedom our land aircrafts that can help ukraine help europe and you know that they exist and you have them but they are on earth not in ukraine in the ukrainian sky They do not defend our people. I have a dream. These words are known to each of you. Today I can say, I have a need. I need to protect uh, our sky. I need your decision, your help, which means exactly the same. The same you feel when you hear the words, I have a dream.
0: I haven't heard such deranged begging since this.
2: Let me move in with you, please. When you come back home, don't make me leave. Please, let me move in with you. I'll push all my things into the corner. That'll be my little area. Please, I won't bother you. You don't even have to look at me. Just let me move in with you, please. I'd like an answer, and I'd like that answer to be yes, please. I've already slept in your bed. If you didn't want me to move in, why'd you let me sleep in your bed? Just let me move in, would you please?
0: Can we stop this cruel game and allow the boy to keep one shred of dignity? For God's sakes, I can't stand to see him in all this pain! You vicious bastards! Let him move in with you! Is it so bad to see somebody happy? So just let him move in. For the love of God, let the boy
2: move in with you. Good Lord.
0: And that, of course, is the Hurlihy boy from Saturday Night Live. Adam Sandler wanted to be your house sitter. And you should let him. And that is pretty much a parallel of the comedic actor of Volodymyr Zelensky at this point, just begging, nonsense begging. You've already said this is the most evil thing that's ever happened. You've already compared Putin to Hitler. You've already lied about the bio labs. You've already agreed to work with the Nazis. Just close the sky. Please close the sky. And also, Why does he keep saying close the sky? This is not a matter of translation. Ask for a no-fly zone, like an adult. Sounds like he's beckoning the powers of Sauron or Bill Gates. I mean, Bill Gates kind of has a program to blot out the sun. Maybe that's what he's talking about. But close the sky is a genuinely crazy phrase. And... He knows that the people he's asking to close the sky are not going to close the sky. Joe Biden has said multiple times he's not sending troops over there. And if they start a no-fly zone, well, that's going to turn into World War III. He actually asked Joe Biden to be the leader of world peace. How can you be the leader of world peace if you are actively causing World War Three? And you got to understand, no matter how much you feel for the Ukrainian people, and we all feel for innocent people, Vladimir Putin is not messing around. There is no indication so far that he's been bluffing. On the other hand, all the West has done is bluff. Last week was MiG Jet Fighter Week, and that didn't work. Mitt Romney out there calling for jet fighters. We need to be able to shoot Russian tanks out of the sky to be able to Protect Ukraine, our homeland. I kind of can't wait for the moment when one of them actually does refer to Ukraine as their rightful homeland. That will really be something. Like one of the Rothschilds just gets drunk and goes on a a Twitter spree. (laughs) But you can see that he did basically the same thing he did in Canada. He said, imagine Pearl Harbor. Imagine 9-11. We have that every single day. And that was basically the argument they used throughout COVID. I mean, all of his arguments are essentially of the same form of the arguments that were used in COVID. Imagine someone gets sick and you're not wearing a mask and then you get sick and then you visit your grandma. Imagine your grandma dying. And you know, we're going to keep her in the hospital where you can't visit her while she's dying. And it'll be all your fault for not wearing a mask. Just imagine, imagine you having COVID and going into a public place and giving 20 people COVID and then they all go home to their grandmothers and now you've killed 40 grandparents or maybe even 80 if they're all still alive when you give them COVID. I mean, is he implying that there is going to be a foreign attack on American soil? We're talking about Pearl Harbor and 9-11 here. It would have been interesting if he asked them to imagine another summer like 2020 with the Black Lives Matter Antifa domestic terrorism destroying the country, just like the Maidan revolution that overthrew the Ukrainian government and put people like Vladimir Zelensky in power. He wasn't the one at the time, obviously, but that did begin a string of globalist puppets serving in his position. And then he said, you have Martin Luther King. And he said, I have a dream. And you all know what that means. Well, I am here to tell you that I have a need. And that's the same kind of thing. A dream and a need, they're basically the same. Yes, Martin Luther King was trying to champion the equality of all people despite their race. But since that is no longer a priority for the racial justice warriors in America, we can basically use what Martin Luther King wanted for anything we need to convince you of. I have a need, a need for speed. I couldn't help but say it. You were all thinking it. But he's saying that the need is to close the skies. He wants fighter jets sent into Ukraine from around the world to start World War Three. Because he wants to eliminate Russia's air power. Now, if it was an actual no-fly zone that was enforced and Russia continued to fly over Ukraine, well, then there would be actual combat. But what if Vladimir Putin said, oh, there's a no-fly zone now. Okay, well, I won't fly my planes anymore. Is that going to stop him on the ground? Well, No though it would certainly cause him problems, they are actually asking for an escalation in this war, even though Vladimir Putin has already laid out the terms of a peace negotiation. It seems like all of this could simply be stopped by negotiating and agreeing to his terms, which are, again, don't join NATO, don't join the EU, Crimea is part of Russia and the separatist regions, Donetsk and Luhansk, would become independent states. Is that too much to give to stop what's happening right now? No one seems interested in that. They seem only interested in starting World War Three in order to protect the global communist assets in Ukraine. The banking, the money laundering, the bio labs and the Nazi battalions. So yesterday, the fake president signed a new one point five trillion dollar spending bill that had thirteen point six billion dollars to go to Ukraine for helping because you wouldn't want to have a foreign president speak to you via Zoom without having first given him billions and billions of dollars. But Joe Biden, the leader of world peace, didn't think that was enough. So now he has promised with his presidential authority to send another 800 million dollars over to Ukraine. And luckily, Zelensky just signed into law in Ukraine the legalization of Bitcoin. So now they can take that American taxpayer money and send it over there and just turn it into crypto, and then it can go wherever. But don't worry, it's going to solve the war. Clearly
2: helped Ukraine inflict dramatic losses on Russian forces. On Saturday, my administration authorized another $200 million to keep a steady flow of weapons and ammunition moving to Ukraine. Now I'm once again using my presidential authority to activate activate an additional security assistance to continue to help Ukraine fend off Russia's assault, an additional $800
0: million in assistance. And the only people who could support this sort of lunacy are the sorts of people whose lives still have not been negatively impacted by anything in the last two years. When lockdowns happened, they said, this is great. Now we get to work from home. We have really easy jobs. We don't know why we go to the office in the first place. I mean, all we do is move emails from one person's computer to another person's computer asking questions like, well, what are the KPIs? How many units did we promise them? <laughs> and then they send the email and go right back to watching CNN daytime. They wouldn't want to miss the comedic actor show as he talks to Justin or as he talks to Nancy. That's must see television and they don't have a care in the world except for their own fraying mental stability because they spend all day convincing themselves that a completely false reality is not only true, but that it's their responsibility to tell everyone else it's true so that they can feel like they're doing something productive from home. Got to get rid of all that guilt about how easy life is being a rich kid with a pointless job where all you do is send emails. The fake presidents also said this.
2: This is a struggle that pits the appetites of an autocrat against humankind's desire to be free. And let there be no doubt, no uncertainty, no question. America stands with the forces of freedom. We always have and we always will. I thank you all and God bless you. And I'm going to walk over and. Sign this legislation, sign this bill to allow the drawdown of those materials. And may God protect their young Ukrainians who are out there defending their country.
0: And then he went over to feebly sign his little paper with Antony Blinken and Mark Milley behind him on either shoulder. All of this would be so bad already, but it's made even worse by how utterly embarrassing these people are. Now, CNN reported a little bit about where that $800 million was going to go. According to the White House, they say, $800 million in security assistance will provide Ukraine with 800 Stinger anti-aircraft systems, 100 drones, over 20 million rounds of small arms ammunition and grenade launchers and mortar rounds, 25,000 sets of body armor, 25,000 helmets, 100 grenade launchers, 5,000 rifles, 1,000 pistols, 400 machine guns, 400 shotguns, as well as 2,000 javelin, 1,000 light anti-armor weapons, and 6,000 AT4 anti-armor systems. So while the comedic actor was begging for a no-fly zone that is not possible and has already been denied, the United States decided to grant him all of that Massive package of weapons and ammunition. Vladimir Putin probably won't realize that they're doing it, though, because he's only looking at the skies. He's very worried about whether or not they're going to close the skies. And who are they funding and arming with all of this? Is it the Ukrainian army with all those neo-Nazi battalions? Well, yes, maybe it's probably also foreign mercenaries. And of course, if there's a war, the military industrial complex has to get their cut. So you can imagine they'll scrape off some of that eight hundred million dollars to fill their own pockets. How heroic. Now, speaking again of Ukrainian Nazis, the Washington Post had a really incredible piece out on Monday trying to explain all of the Nazi stuff to their very sophisticated audience. The headline Neo Nazis are exploiting Russia's war in Ukraine for their own purposes. This is by Rita Katz. She is the executive director of the Site Intelligence Group and a terrorism analyst. Let's check out her article. Hi. Can you please forward a message since two of us are trying to get a car share from Germany to Ukraine going? Reads a February 26th message forwarded to a popular neo-Nazi web channel. We are three French leaving Strasbourg tomorrow morning with our car. Another message answered, there is place for two German fighters. These are the types of conversations that have flooded Western neo-Nazi and white nationalist venues online every day since Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine. Users organizing carpools, plotting how to cross the Poland-Ukraine border to join the fight against Russia. Their goal is not to defend Ukraine as we know it. A multi-ethnic, democratically minded society led by a Jewish president. Some neo-Nazis simply see this new war as a place to act out their violent fantasies. For others, though, the force pulling them toward the conflict is a shared vision for an ultra-nationalist ethno-state. They see Ukraine as a golden opportunity to pursue this goal and turn it into a model to export across the world. And you got to understand that Zelensky being Jewish means that there are no Nazis, and if there are, they're the good kind. Just like, you know, when you talk about George Soros, that's anti-Semitic because George Soros is Jewish. It actually doesn't matter that George Soros admits to and is proud of loading his neighbors onto Nazi trains back in World War II. That becomes irrelevant because he has an invincible force shield against those claims by virtue of him having Jewish heritage. The would be militants have been recruited by groups like the Azov Battalion, a far right nationalist Ukrainian paramilitary and political movement. Azov was absorbed into the Ukrainian National Guard in 2014 and has been a basis for Putin's false claim that Ukraine's government is run by neo Nazis. Though Azov remains a fringe movement in Ukraine, It is a larger-than-life brand among many Western extremists. It has openly welcomed Westerners into its ranks via white supremacist sites. Azov's stickers and patches have been seen around the globe, from a book bag at a July 2020 neo-Nazi counter-protest in Tennessee to the motorcycle of an attempted mosque bomber in Italy. To be clear, not all in the far right adore Azov, which some see as having ties to Israel or Jewish funders. Now, wait a second. So there's a chance that Azov might have ties to Israel and Jewish funders, but we know that Ukraine doesn't have neo-Nazis because Zelensky is Jewish. Maybe I'm just dumb, but that makes no sense. But since Azov publicly invited foreign fighters into its ranks on February 25th, the organization's official telegram chat group has been packed with messages from people in the United States, Britain, Germany, France, Spain, the Netherlands, Sweden, Poland and other Western countries expressing interest in joining now. I don't read everything The Washington Post puts out, but I am fairly certain that if there was a neo-Nazi site on Telegram, they would be trying to get that neo-Nazi channel taken down, right? Or maybe even all of Telegram taken down. It's good that they mentioned it was on Telegram because that's the bad, bad channel. It's not a safe space like Facebook and Instagram, where they now allow threats of violence against Russians, but only against Russians and only because it's, you know, so bad what's happening. Threats of violence are now justified. So all of the former principles go out the window. Neo-Nazi chat groups and channels in various languages have echoed Azov's calls. I haven't noticed this level of movement-wide recruitment activity since the Islamic State declared its so-called caliphate in 2014 and sought sympathizers globally to join its fold. Man, ISIS was doing that in 2014. And 2014 is when that coup happened in Ukraine. And she just told us that that is when Azov joined the Ukrainian National Guard. And she said that the far right, That's what they call everybody who is an actual neo-Nazi, even though that has nothing to do with being on the political right. But she just also said that the Ukrainian government was not run by neo-Nazis. That is a false claim. Well, that claim may indeed be false, but there certainly are neo-Nazis and Svoboda in the Ukrainian government, and they have been since that time. So it's not a false claim unless you are relying on semantics and sentence construction to support the idea that it's a false claim. And of course, that is what she's doing, because the other choice would be like, yeah, okay, you're right. It's definitely part Nazi there. But we need them so much. We at Sight, an intelligence group tracking global extremists, have noticed a surge in online activity by white nationalists and neo-Nazis in conjunction with the war in Ukraine. Among the hundreds of individuals who have announced their intent to join Azov in the recent weeks are several known neo-Nazis. For instance, M.D., an American member of Azov's recruitment chat group, has repeatedly tried to get fellow countrymen to join the battalion in Ukraine. We could form a group to go over there, he said we discovered that M.D. is also a member of some of the most sadistic far-right extremist chats on Telegram, where he has proposed establishing a neo-Nazi militia in the United States. And it's at that point where you have to wonder which branch of the FBI he's in. Back to the article. D., another member of the chat, is a self-described military veteran in Britain who is active in dozens of neo-Nazi venues on Telegram. They are really hammering Telegram, aren't they? Like MD, he has sought to form his own band of countrymen. Any UK boys? I'm in UK and leaving hopefully in one to two weeks, D wrote on February 27th. And seriously, I don't think that we should gloss over the fact that they continue to mention Telegram. They are filling The child brains minds with the idea that Telegram is a platform that supports neo-Nazis. This is a clear and obvious tactic. And the people using this tactic are doing it to attack Telegram and not the neo-Nazis. In fact, they are supporting the war and the war effort and the United States funding and arming of that war effort even though all of that goes to supporting the Nazis and the foreign mercenaries. They just want to be able to insult Telegram later and trigger people's recall about how Telegram was that neo-Nazi platform where they were trying to take advantage of the situation in Ukraine for their own neo-Nazi purposes. D's motivation seemed even more troubling than M.D.'s. He wrote... Anyway, when I get to Ukraine, I'm going to kill extra Jews now whenever I see them. Another post read in part, I'm getting my gear together. Heil Hitler, glory to Ukraine, and let's all kill some expletive Jews for Wotan. Wotan is a god from Norse mythology, which many far-right extremists appeal to in their rhetoric and aesthetics. D later indicated that he had formed a group from UK to head to Ukraine. Polish guy living in America here looking to help out in any way I'm able. Chat member Z posted on February 25th, later adding, I've got a lot of gear I can bring around from helmets to vests of all sorts. Z is also an active member of many neo-Nazi chat groups. We discovered the same Z wrote in another chat group. I hate Ukraine. This is like a book report about anonymous posters in a channel that is almost certainly run by feds or intelligence agencies. What in the world is this doing appearing in the Washington Post? But nonetheless, it is. She's a terrorism expert, after all. I wonder if her partners are at, say, the Rand Corporation. That's because Western white supremacists and neo-Nazis, for the most part, do not support the current Ukrainian government. You got that? They have nothing to do with one another. There's the good part of the Ukrainian government, Zelensky, you know, the Jew. And then there's the neo-Nazis that, yes, the Ukrainian ambassador to Germany admits are run by Kiev, but they're separate somehow, you know. I mean, if they were together, then we wouldn't be able to talk about them this way in the Washington Post. And the thing is, we are talking about them this way in the Washington Post, which means they're not together. No matter how much they all say that they are. That's not my bag, baby. But let's try this paragraph again. That's because Western white supremacists and neo-Nazis for the most part do not support the current Ukrainian government and not simply because of its ban on anti-Semitism, President Volodymyr Zelensky's Jewish heritage or other specific matters. Ukraine is a developing democracy, which far-right extremists oppose as contrary to the fascist governments they want to see. Wow! This stuff is amazing. They are not this clueless. You have to understand that, right? Right. They know what they're doing. They are using the switcheroo all the time. Everything is the opposite of what it actually is. Ukraine actually used to be a much nicer place before these very globalists overturned the country. They put actual Nazis and fascists in their government as reward for helping to overthrow the country. And yet we are supposed to believe that they are an evolving, developing democracy. And these Nazis, they don't want anything to do with that. They have just as big a problem with Ukraine. It just happens to be a really good place to go kill people right now with, you know, American guns and ammunition and funding and support and propaganda to actually make you look like the good guys. (laughs) And we'll do that. But at the end, you're still going to be the Nazis and then we're going to pretend you're the bad guys. But as long as you're helping us, no problem. As the administrator of a popular German and English neo-Nazi chat group wrote while urging members to join Azov, I am not defending Ukraine. I am defending national socialism. Oh, yeah. Socialism. I thought we weren't supposed to actually talk about how Nazis were national socialists. What part of socialism is far right? I hope one day they actually answer that question. Furthermore, while some white nationalists have expressed admiration for Putin, many Western far right extremists oppose Russia, which they conflate with the former Soviet Union and therefore consider communist. Yet this mobilization on Ukraine's behalf is driven by more than just a mutual enemy. The mobilizers see the Russia-Ukraine war as a major opportunity to advance white nationalism via militancy. To them, Ukraine is a sandbox for fascist state building, ripe for the kind of armed far-right power grab they long to see in their own countries. I wonder where they get that idea. Maybe it's because the globalists overthrew the regime and replaced it with people in Svoboda. Maybe that's where they got that idea. Isn't it incredible that she is trying to paint a picture for you where these neo-Nazis, they hate Jews, they hate everything that's not white. They want a far-right state that is also National Socialist. They hate Ukraine, which means that Ukraine's not responsible for them. But they also hate Russia because Russia is communist and they want national socialism. These are the educated elites in the world right now. They think you are dumb enough to believe all that. For the most extreme among these neo-Nazis, the plan is even more sinister. They see Ukraine as a chance to further accelerationist agendas, which seek to speed up a civilization wide collapse and then build fascist ethno states from the ashes, which is a weird thing to accuse them of while on their side. This school of thought is demonstrated vividly by Slovak, whom we at sight consider one of the most influential accelerationist, neo-Nazi voices in the far right. On February 25th, Slovak announced that he was leaving an unknown country to fight in Ukraine. This war is going to burn away the physical and moral weakness of our people so that a strong nation may rise from the ashes. He wrote Our job is to ensure that conditions remain terrible enough for long enough for this transformation to happen and happen. It must. Our future is at stake and we may not get another chance. Certainly not one as good as this inspired Slovak wrote that Ukraine could see its own decades long fight, likening it to the resistance mounted in Afghanistan against NATO or the Russians. The Afghans did it for over 40 years against both of these forces, and now they're in control of their destiny. He wrote. Ukraine will have to borrow a page from their book. Niche as this accelerationist philosophy may seem, it must be taken seriously. Copycat attacks were plotted in California and elsewhere after a terrorist espousing accelerationist philosophies killed 51 people in Christchurch, New Zealand in 2019. Of course, none of these developments validate Putin's claims that the war is about denazifying Ukraine. Forget about Zelensky's Jewish background. It's an ironic claim for Putin to make since he gives safe haven to individuals such as Rinaldo Nazaro, who was until recently the leader of The Base, a largely American cell-based neo-Nazi organization whose members have been linked to terrorist plots. Nazaro appears to have lived in Russia since at least 2018. Putin has also given haven to the Russian imperialist movement, which the State Department describes as giving paramilitary style training to white supremacists and neo-Nazis in Europe, which again is something our CIA does with taxpayer funds. Putin gives these entities haven to help aggravate societal fissures in the West, a declassified U.S. intelligence report from last year suggested. And thank goodness they've declassified another intelligence report. We know that they only do that when they need to explain something that otherwise would be ridiculous. Whatever sparse kernels of truth Putin is picking at regarding groups like Azov, it was he who invaded a sovereign country and created a new extremist breeding ground. Got that. So even though there are Nazis in Ukraine and Putin is specifically saying that he's denazifying Ukraine, Putin is also bad. You have to remember that. And he is now creating this conflict that has become a breeding ground for more Nazis. So therefore, it's actually Putin who's on the side of the Nazis. Don't you get it? The issue at hand is not a matter of validating or invalidating narratives, though. The issue is security for Ukraine and for the countries these extremists come from. Wait, what? The issue is about the security of Ukraine. Okay, but what does this have to do with the security of the countries where these extremists come from? You need to protect the countries that extremists come from. Why are they breeding grounds for extremists? Wow. In many ways, the Ukraine situation reminds me of Syria in the early and middle years of last decade. Oh, yeah. Hillary Clinton destroyed Ukraine and Syria, along with Barack Obama. What a great point. That is a very apt comparison. Just as the Syrian conflict served as a perfect breeding ground for groups like Al Qaeda and the Islamic State, similar conditions may be brewing in Ukraine for the far right. Syria became a plotting and training ground for terrorists to mount attacks in the West, such as the attacks in Paris in 2015 and in Brussels in 2016 attacks. Beautiful writing. The extremists who successfully make it to Ukraine could return home with new weapons and combat experience under their belts or stay in Ukraine where they can further influence their countrymen online. Just because extremists are somewhere else does not make them any less dangerous to the countries they come from, as we've learned all too well. No matter where war takes place, it always amounts to opportunity for extremists. And she's right. No matter where the conflict exists in the world that has Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's fingerprints all over it, along with those of the global communist order, which, Rita Katz certainly supports, they all end up as breeding grounds for extremists funded by the United States with American taxpayer money and then used as the justification to alter the political balance of all those places. What an amazing, amazing phenomenon. Now, speaking of foreign corruption on behalf of Obama and Clinton and their good friend, the fake president, Joe Biden, this is from just the news this morning. It's John Solomon reporting. Secret Service says it doesn't have Hunter Biden emails from some years. His laptop says otherwise. Days ahead of his trip to Mexico in spring 2011, Hunter Biden got an email from a Secret Service agent coordinating his protection detail. Hunter, when you have some free time, I would like to discuss the Monterey trip with you. Secret Service agent Yvonne De Cristoforo wrote then Vice President Joe Biden's son on April 28th, 2011. I have some specific information to provide you that we received from our Mexico City office, she added. I know you are out of the office this evening, but if you could contact me at your convenience, I would appreciate it. Secret Service records show Hunter Biden, in fact, took the trip with agents protecting him between May 15th to May 17th, 2011. The email contained on a Hunter Biden laptop now in FBI custody and reviewed by just the news may not seem that significant at first blush, but it has significant meaning to Senate investigators. Why? Because the Secret Service, after years of delay, told GOP senators Chuck Grassley from Iowa and Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, Last month, the agency has been unable to locate any emails or other records showing its agents coordinating travel for Hunter Biden. The Secret Service worked extensively with your committees and agreed to search parameters provided by your office as to identify communications regarding Mr. Biden's travel. Secret Service Director James M. Murray wrote the senators on February 14th. These search parameters did not yield communications for the years 2010, 2011 or 2013, Murray added. In fact, just the news found about five dozen emails between Hunter Biden and his Secret Service handlers on the FBI laptop for those same years, as well as other ones in other years that Senate investigators said they had not previously seen. Some emails located by just the news had clear subject lines such as upcoming trip or all checked in that made clear they involved the subject of travel and most appeared to be routine to the daily business of protecting the vice president's family on various trips. Hi, Hunter and Kathleen, Agent Ian Riffield wrote in a February 17, 2010 email to the vice president's son and his then wife. Enjoy your travels and please be careful in Haiti. I would also ask that you make sure that each of the young ladies has my cell phone number programmed into their cell phone and that they know to call me if they have any problems while you're gone. Hunter Biden wrote back to the agent two days later, claiming one leg of his trip had been canceled. We are not going to Antarctica State Department again. The vice presidential son wrote. Hunter was going to Antarctica for what? Man, I hope we find that out soon. The agent expressed dismay at the development. Sorry about that. The guys were looking forward to going and training hard. Riffield wrote back. Enjoy the rest of your trip. And I'm going to skip down a bit. Obviously, go to just the news if you want to read the whole article. The two senators who have worked for years to get more details on the Secret Service activities as Hunter Biden crisscrossed the world from China to Ukraine, seeking foreign business on his father's vice presidential watch, expressed frustration Tuesday night. For years, Senator Johnson and I have been trying to get a clear picture of Hunter Biden's communications with the Secret Service when he was under their protection, Grassley told Just the News. The Secret Service says they don't have records for three years during Hunter Biden's time as a protectee, but I have reason to believe they do. In fact, I suspect there was also communication between Secret Service employees and Hunter Biden even after his protection ended. The Secret Service needs to come clean, and I intend to get to the bottom of this discrepancy. And I'm fairly certain that we already know the Secret Service and Hunter Biden were in contact even after his protection ended because he asked them to help out with the gun crime in Delaware. When he falsified information on his purchasing documents at the gun store and then his brother's widow, who he then formed a sexual relationship with, took his gun and threw it in the dumpster across the street from a school. Now, with all these blatant lies and the obvious propaganda and the rampant corruption and criminality that seems to always go unpunished, no one is ever held accountable, you might get the sense that things are going very poorly, and certainly a lot of people do get that sense. And inevitably, a lot of people check out, they take the black pill, they're like, I just can't do this anymore. I don't even know why I'm paying attention to any of this. I know that there are just infinite problems, and none of them seem to be getting solved. Well, I think that that is probably the intent Of all this propaganda and all this censorship, because the further into these issues you go, the more you pay attention to them. You actually can see the pushback on each and every one of them if you choose to look. And we should be happy because enough people are choosing to look. The sentiment of the country is changing dramatically. So before I go, I would like to provide you a little example of that. Now, last night in New York at the New York Rangers hockey game, they had Governor Kathy Hochul, the unelected replacement for Andrew Cuomo, come out onto the ice for the ceremonial dropping of the puck. Check out the response she got from New Yorkers in public.
2: Tonight we'd like to salute Governor Kathy Hochul, the first female governor of New York State. Governor Hochul began her career in public service in the greater Buffalo area, served in Congress, and was twice elected Lieutenant Governor. Here to drop tonight's ceremonial first puck, a champion of women's rights and leader of the great state of New York, please welcome Governor Kathy Hochul. Joining Governor Hochul at Center Ice Ducks alternate captain Adam Henrique and Rangers alternate captain Jacob Truba. Thank you,
0: Governor Hoko, and thank you, Adam and Jacob. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a bunch of New Yorkers booing a powerful member of the Democrat Communist Party and a champion of COVID authoritarianism. No matter how powerful the narrative seems, this is the reality. People are understanding what all of this is and they're waking up and now they're starting to voice it. They've got nothing left but emotional manipulation and sound bites of the comedic actor to play on TV. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's high noon. In my mind, that's the end game.